Sherry Conley of Oklahoma huddled in the hallway linen closet with her husband and her two sons. A deadly tornado was bearing down on them. They said a prayer that God would protect them. After the storm passed, she and her family emerged from that linen closet to find out that it was the only thing left standing of their home. The rest of their home was absolutely gone. I can't promise you today that if you follow Jesus, you will have a life free from storm. I can't promise you that if you trust Jesus, there won't be hard days and painful seasons. No life enjoys smooth seas all of the time. What I can promise you, though, is that if you will trust Jesus, you will survive the storm. Even if everyone and everything else around you falls. How can I be so sure? If you will trust Jesus, you will survive the storm because Jesus is Lord of the storm. The message today is simply this. Trust Jesus in the storm. We're going to be in the book of Mark again, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. I'll invite you to look there in your Bibles and stand for the reading of God's holy word. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and the sea, and said, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid, and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, please help me to preach. And help your people to listen. Amen. You can be seated. We have just finished looking at four parables. In those parables, Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God and He emphasizes the importance of listening carefully to His Word. And through those parables, we learned that disciples of Jesus are those who have ears to hear, those who listen carefully to the Word. Now, as we arrive in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, instead of four parables, we're going to see a series of four miracles. 
And in these miracles, what we're going to see is simply that Jesus is Lord. We'll see He is Lord over difficulties. We'll see He is Lord over demons. We'll see He is Lord over disease. And we'll see He is Lord over death. And by studying these miracles, we're going to come to understand another lesson about the disciples of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus are those who trust Him as Lord. And the first thing we learn is that because He is Lord, His disciples trust Him in the storms of life. The question I want to answer today is this. Why should I trust Jesus in the storm? In the verses we are looking at this morning, there are five reasons. We'll cover three this morning, and the final two we will look at tonight. So why should you trust Jesus when storms come, when hardships come, when struggles come? Here's the first reason. He has a purpose for the storm. He has a purpose for the storm. In the opening verses of this story, what we see, if we look carefully, is that this storm is not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It serves a divine purpose. This storm is intended to teach the disciples of Jesus an important lesson. Warren Wiersbe wrote this, Did Jesus know that the storm was coming? Of course He did. The storm was part of that day's curriculum. It would help the disciples understand a lesson that they did not even know they needed to learn. Jesus can be trusted in the storm. If we look carefully at the verses, what you can see is that Jesus orchestrated this event. Look what it says. Who initiates this trip across the sea? Verse 35, Jesus does. Let us go over to the other side. And notice this. Verse 36, Leaving the crowd, they took Him along with them in the boat. Who is they and them? Go back to verse 34 and you see, it's His own disciples. So get the picture. Jesus says, we're going to cross the sea. He leaves all of the fans on the shore and He isolates His disciples along with Him in the boat. The twelve. And notice something else. You see what it says in verse 35? When evening came. That means the sun's going down. It's dark. It's one thing to face a storm on the sea in the daytime. But the blackness of night makes the storm even more terrifying. Now think about it. This is a 7 to 11 mile journey across open sea in the middle of the night. Jesus is alone with His disciples in a terrible storm on the open sea in the dark. Oh, listen, this is not a coincidence. 
It's a classroom. Jesus has set it up to teach them a lesson that they could not learn any other way. What am I saying to you? Jesus is not caught in the storm. Jesus caused the storm. Think about this. Why did God lead the children of Israel into a situation where they would be trapped between the Red Sea in front of them and the army of Pharaoh behind them and nowhere to go and no way out? Why would He lead them into a situation like that? So they could learn a lesson about God's power to deliver them. Don't you see? The Red Sea was a classroom. Think about the Apostle Paul. You remember the Bible talks about Paul's thorn in the flesh? This difficulty God had given him? Why would God give Paul some pain or some hardship or some difficulty like this? And Paul begged him three times to take it away and God said no. Why would God give him this trial, this storm? Why? So that Paul could learn a lesson about God's strength in his times of weakness. Don't you see? That thorn, whatever it was, was a classroom. You see, it's not enough for you to believe that the Lord is present with you in the storm. You need to believe that He is sovereign over the storm. Listen, it's not enough to believe that Jesus is big enough to handle the storm. I'm asking you to believe that He has a purpose for the storm. A good purpose. What am I saying to you? Your crisis is a classroom. Your crisis is a classroom. That pain that God has brought into your life may be designed by Him to increase your patience, your endurance in the face of hardship. That struggle that you're going through may be intended by God to turn you into a prayer warrior as the heat is on and the hardship comes and you're driven to your knees in prayer. God may be putting you in the fire for the sake of prayer. It could be that that hardship in your life, those lean days, could have the purpose of teaching you contentment. God may take away everything you have but Himself, so you will learn that all you need is Himself. You understand? Do you believe Romans 8.28 God works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose? That doesn't mean all things are good. Storms are not always good. But God designs them to do good and uses them for good in the lives of His children. Why should you trust Jesus in the storm? Look, because He has a purpose for it. A good purpose in your life. But the fact that God has a purpose for the storm 
does not change the fact that it is still a very real storm. The second reason we trust Jesus in the storm is this. There is peril in the storm. There's danger in the storm. Look, when you look at this story, the danger of this storm is real. It is not imaginary. The fact that it serves God's purpose makes the storm no less a very real, very scary storm. Something you need to understand about the geography. The Sea of Galilee lies almost 700 feet below sea level. But it's in a basin surrounded by hills and mountains. Just 30 miles to the north, Mount Hermon rises to 9,200 feet above sea level. So think of this now. 30 miles to the northeast of the Sea of Galilee, it's 9,200 feet above sea level, but in the sea it's 700 feet below sea level. What happens is, there's an interchange. The cold air from the mountains comes down and mixes with the warm air off of the sea, and it causes severe weather conditions for which the Sea of Galilee is infamous. The Scripture describes it in verse 37 as a fierce gale of wind. This term could refer to a hurricane or a squall or a whirlwind. The thing you need to get is, whatever you call it, this is not a breeze. This is wind with deadly destructive force. You see what it says there in verse 37? The waves were breaking over the boat. This literally pictures the waves throwing themselves over the boat. In Greek, the word is throw. You remember at the triumphant entry when it says the disciples threw their cloaks on the donkey for Jesus to sit on it? That word throw is the same word here. The waves were throwing themselves against the boat. And they were spilling over into the boat so much so that the boat was filling up and the boat was on the verge of sinking. Now I want you to think about something. At least four of these disciples were skilled fishermen who had spent much time in boats like this. And they were terrified. What does that mean? That means the danger was real. When I say God has a purpose for the storm, that does not mean that the pain and difficulty of the storm is any less real. Think about this. God's purpose for the cross was infinitely grand and infinitely glorious. No higher purpose than the redemption of mankind. But that did not erase the agony of the Son of God. The purpose for the cross was real, but so was the pain of the cross. What about Joseph? 
Genesis 37 to 50, we read the story of Joseph. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He spent years in slavery and years in prison. And God had a wonderful, good purpose for all of it. But the pain and the struggles that Joseph endured were no less real just because God had a purpose for it. The fact that God had a good purpose did not make Joseph's ordeal less difficult. The crisis you face is a classroom where God will teach you good and glorious things. But listen to what I'm telling you. The crisis is still a crisis. God has a purpose for your pain, but it's still painful. God has a purpose for your hardships, but they're still hard. God has a purpose for your struggles, but they're still struggles. You understand? So why do you trust Jesus in the storm? Because you need His help. Because storms are hard. Because storms hurt. We need to trust Him to help us get through the storm. Listen, you need His strength so you can endure the struggle. You need His comfort to keep you from giving in to the grief that makes you want to crumble. You need His grace so you can keep doing the things that you have to do from day to day even though you are hurting. Listen, I know some of you have been in the midst of storms and such great pain that all you wanted to do is make the world go away and stop. And the only thing that keeps you doing what you must do from day to day is the grace of God. Why do you trust Jesus in the storm? Because storms are dangerous and they're hard and they're difficult, and we must have His help. You understand? Trust Jesus, because there's peril in the storm. There's a third reason we must trust Jesus in the storm. Because in Him, there's peace in the storm. In Him, there's peace in the storm. When you come to verse... 38, look what it says. Jesus Himself was in the stern asleep on a cushion. The storm is raging. But Jesus is not in a panic, is He? No, He's at peace. The only place you could sleep in a small fishing boat like that with water pouring in from a storm, would be in the stern. There was an elevated part in the stern, and there was a seat there, the helmsman's seat. We'd call it the captain's seat, where the person who steered the boat would sit. There was a cushion on that seat. It would be leather-covered or sometimes have a cushion under it, and that's where Jesus would have been asleep. That kind of adds to the scariness of the storm. The boat's being tossed in every which direction, threatening to sink, and the captain's asleep at the wheel. 
exhausted from a full day of ministry, soaked to the bone, Jesus sleeps. The boat was being thrown in every direction. Lightning is flashing. Thunder is roaring. And yet, the Master sleeps. This scene pictures complete trust in God. How could he sleep? Was he that tired? Well, he probably was exhausted. But that's not what gave him such peace in the storm. He had 100% absolute trust and confidence in his Father. You remember when Jesus was on trial before Pilate? Pilate's questioning Jesus, but Jesus remains silent. John chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. Pilate said to Jesus, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. Why didn't Jesus try to defend himself? Why did he just remain calm, remain silent? Listen, this is what he's saying. He knew his life was in the Father's hands, not Pilate's hands. Pilate said, I can release you or I can crucify you. Jesus said, don't, don't kid yourself. Any power you have over me is only because God gave it to you. What's Jesus saying? My life's not in your hands. My life's in the Father's hands. What enabled him to sleep through that storm? It's the same understanding. My life's in the Father's hands. He was doing the will of God. He knew God had sent him for a purpose. And he knew till he fulfilled that purpose, he was safe. He trusted the Father completely. You know what this scene, seeing him sleep, you know what that reminds me of? Psalm 23 verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's trust. David wrote Psalm 3 in one of the hardest storms of his life. His son Absalom had started a coup and was trying to take the throne of David. David and his men, those faithful to him, had to flee from Jerusalem for their lives. David wrote Psalm 3 during that time when he was fleeing from Absalom. And his words help us to see how peace is the result of trust. O oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no deliverance for him in God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I awoke 
for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me around about. What? There's so many against me, but I'm not going to be afraid even if ten thousand surround me. Why? He says it in verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. Therefore I lay down and slept. God knew, uh, David knew that his protection wasn't his army, it was his father. It was God. Listen to what I'm trying to say to you. Peace is the product of trust. Peace in the storm is the product of trust in the storm. You remember Isaiah 26.3? The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because He trusts in you. The King James says you will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because He trusts in you. Listen, when you genuinely trust Jesus, you can be at peace even when the doctor says it's cancer. Amen? When you genuinely trust Jesus, you can be at peace even when expenses increase and income decreases. Now, hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you the storm will disappear if you just trust Jesus. I'm telling you that if you will trust Jesus, there can be calm in your soul even while the storm rages. See, peace comes when you trust that He has designed the storm for your good. Peace comes when you trust that His power will see you through the storm. In other words, peace comes when you trust Jesus. Chapman University did a study According to this study, 42% of people are afraid of being a victim of random mass shootings. 57% of teenagers worry about gunfire erupting at their school. 74% are fearful of corrupt government officials. 64% fear that World War III will erupt in the next 40 years. Here's the question I want to ask you. Does it have to be that way? Do we have to live and fear of the next crisis on the horizon? Not if you trust Jesus. You don't have to live in fear. 
Trust him because he has a purpose for the storm. Trust him because there's peril in the storm. And trust him because in him there's peace in the storm. There are two more tonight. You don't want to miss those. Let's pray.